welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome and thank you for listening. Let me explain the show. It's really, really simple. Either me, my guest, or sometimes both of us have experienced something for the first time, usually a movie, and we're going to talk about it. Like I said, super simple. My guest today is one half of the hip-hop duo Read and Return. Welcome Jordan Benning to the show. What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> Dude, it is it is going. I'm always weird with intros. That's the one thing I got to get past. Oh, I'm bad with like intros and outros. I never know how to like say bye and I'm like, uh, okay, uh, see you next week. And I, I actually have like a pre-recorded outro that my listeners get to hear every week and they probably just hit like the stop button right before I start talking because... I was like, I'm just gonna record one to play every week. But yeah, how's it going? I just say, I just say, okay, you two to everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like classic. Um, man, it's going great. Uh, I think I'll probably just jump right into because we were talking a little bit before this. So, um, and I was talking about how, and this kind of like sets up the movie just right. I think so. We'll see. For actually, first of all. Did you love the movie or, or well, did you we'll like get it? into you... it? We'll get into okay. it. Okay. I was going to, I was just going to introduce people a little bit to you before we even jump into the movie, but I, I can tell that you're very anxious to talk about this. I mean, if you, I, I remember my portion. So, I mean, you, you do you, okay. you're going to introduce me to what? Well, I was just going to introduce like my listeners a little bit about you before we even get into the movie. Cause I think sometimes, people, right, you know, right. I assume like, wrongfully that people you know listening to this know me and sometimes it's like well no probably the guests like friends and family might listen and they have no idea who i am and vice versa like it could be my friends and family have no idea who you are so i want to make sure you know i i met you i believe through mutual friends you were doing sound at the washington for almost all the shows which is a local music venue here in burlington um found out we both like uh, mixed martial arts we both like a lot of the same music we have a lot of same friends and then i was like oh he's a movie guy too that's cool like through social media found out you're always going to the theater and seeing stuff too and then i just found out your girlfriend works at a theater so that makes sense mm -hmm. uh so have have you always been like a big movie guy dude i yeah i like that's what i was gonna say is like music was like such a weird accident that I don't even know. Like, I really don't know how I necessarily stumbled on it. But like when I was younger, I was always like my like my friends and family, it, like they always were like, oh, you're going to be like a comedian. You're going to be like an actor, or, like in a sitcom or something like I always wanted to like I grew up wanting to make movies and like be in movies and direct movies and stuff like that. Like growing up in like the jackass era of all, all things. So it's like. I'm realizing too, it's like, oh, I don't really even need like, it doesn't even have to look great. Like it's just got to be entertaining. It's just got to capture an audience. So it's like, it was just like all the things kind of falling in. It's like, like I don't have to be, and this is kind of what led into music as well. It was realizing that you don't have to be anybody to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Growing up, I always thought like, you know, oh, that actor is that person because he's that person. He's like an actor, you know, like that is Johnny Depp. That is, you know, Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom. That is, you know, like those are people that like they're that people. And that's why they can do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you forget that they had to start somewhere themselves. Absolutely. Like I, I didn't realize that I could do something 
being nobody, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't realize that those are those first steps that you can take. And so, and then when that happened, uh, that's like how music kind of stumbled in where I was kind of getting into music where I, I, I loved music, but like, I didn't ever think that I could make music because I wasn't a musician, you know, like I wasn't famous. I didn't have, you know, mm-hmm. like everything. I didn't have a name. People didn't know me. I wasn't famous, so I can't be a musician. Like, I know that's like a stupid idea, but I was also like seven, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I didn't realize the concept of like, oh, you can just do that. And then, so it was like, when I turned 13, there was a, there was like a local artist who had moved into town and it was like, this dude is like, it was a, I can even name him, I guess. His name's Ampom. And uh, my brother knew him and they were friends and he showed me a CD and I was like, this is dope. Like, this is cool as fuck. <laughs> you, you know, like you this dude's making, this yeah. guy made this, like what? Like, I, and I know you, like, are you famous? Like, I didn't get it. Like I was, I was just like in that mindset where I was stuck, like that you had to be somebody to do anything, not saying that he was nobody, but like, it was like the idea that I could, it was unobtainable. Mm-hmm. And that right there, like hearing that dude, do his thing and like see that he has like a physical CD, whether it's burnt or, or published or whatever, like just seeing that physical thing. And it was like, if he can do this, I can do this. And that was like the big opening. That was cool. Like for me, it was like instantly it was like, I like, I'm going to suck. Obviously <laughs> like I'm going to be really bad for a long time. And I probably am still really bad. But, like, like I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to at least attempt it and do something, you know? And, and so, like, it was literally like that. And then it was like, well, I'm going to try music. Because, like, at the time, it's like I don't have access to a video camera, so I can't really record anything. And the one thing, like, if you want to make movies and stuff like that, in my mind, probably still, I guess you could write scripts and plays and blah, 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 blah. But, like... In my mind, it's like, if I can't film it, then I, I can't really do that. But, like, I can make music because I can write things and I can do things a cappella, Or I can, you know, play on the table and, 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 you know, do things like that. Like, I can make sound. At the very least, I can make noise. So, like, music, right? So then I start recording music off of, it's so funny, off of, like, a Windows 95 voice recognition mic and i still have this mic to this day i'm gonna put it in a shadow box (laughs) um but it's it's literally a microphone that has like an ear-shaped clip that wraps around your ear like not just like sits over top of it it's literally the whole shape of an outline of an ear and then it sticks over your ear and then it comes down to your face and my grandma had got it for something for her old great <laughs> windows 95 piece of crap computer for whatever it was like new at the time and it's like oh now you can talk into your computer and it will type things out oh, okay. and she couldn't type right so like she's like oh i can do speech speech recognition except like <laughs> except like my grandma talks weird so it was like it was like this was never gonna work so i took this mic i found a way to plug it into this laptop that i had and it worked. Like I was, I was like making stuff on like Mixcraft or something. I don't even remember 
what the program was. I'm pretty sure it's or it's Windows. It was like Windows Recorder at first, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, this works. How do I get like instrumentals now? And I didn't know how to download instrumentals. Like I couldn't rip them, you know, because right. I was just like too stupid. So I <laughs> I put the mic up underneath a blanket with one of the speakers, and I recorded this instrumental through this crappy mic and then laid that down and then recorded over top of it. And that was like, boom, like I'm doing this now. I learned it. Like I figured it out. So I did that a couple of times and I found Mixcraft cause I was like, I got to find something that's like more viable. And I used that mic for a while, man, like probably a year and a half before I realized like, Oh, I need to like actually buy something and invest in this if I'm going to do this. So then I bought like a USB mic and it just kept step up, step up, step up. Next thing I know, like I'm with Emil, we're, we're recording stuff for Believe. And this all started off because like I ripped this beat from YouTube with, with this crappy <laughs> mic and, and recorded over it. And he was like, oh, that's dope. Like I'm getting into production. And I'm like, I don't know anything about production. So that's dope. Come over. And next thing I know, we have this track that's, like, done. And we are doing the show, and I realize, like, we don't have anybody to run sound for our show. So I start messing with the knobs. It's whatever. A little bit goes by. We don't really do a whole lot of shows from there. Then I meet Stephen Coleman, and we start making music, and we start doing shows at the Broadway. We are doing these open mic events. I remember those. And... Dude, we were like borrowing. I don't remember who we were even borrowing it from, but we were borrowing this like PA amp. It wasn't the greatest by any means, but we just didn't have anybody to run them. Like we didn't have anything, anybody to run the shows, and they got popular really fast. Like the first one we did, we showed up. Kiefer hit us up, and he was like, "Hey, I'm trying to do an open mic event at the Broadway. Pull up." We get there. He's like behind the bar playing guitar and it's dope, but like he's just behind the bar playing guitar through a guitar amp, doesn't have anything there to do this. Mm -hmm. And we're like, hey man, give us like half an hour, we'll be back. We go to Emil's house, we're grabbing everything that we have like spare mics, whatever it may be, amps. Like all we had was amps, we didn't really have like a PA or anything. And we bring it back out. Uh, we invite a couple of friends. They come out. People are playing. We're having a good time. It's whatever. The next week, we amp it up a little bit. Like somebody had brought like speakers. Then somebody brought this PA amp the following week, and we just started growing. And it like literally within four or five weeks, it was like packed in there. And it's like, dude, this is weird. Like <laughs> this is wild. And from there, it's like we got to have somebody that's gonna run this, and then Emil's gonna host it, and like. You know, somebody's just got to, like, run the sound and, and fix it because, like, there was feedback and all this stuff. And so it just, like, kept gradually growing. And it's like, nobody's going to do this. I guess I'll do it. And then I went out and bought a new amp, speakers, a board. Like, it just, it just kept growing from there. And then suddenly, like, I'd bought all this gear. And <laughs> the owners of the Broadway were like, Man, we're making a bunch of money on Sundays. Right. I think it's because people want to watch the football game. Yeah. And so they just came up to me one day. They're like, yeah, so like we're thinking this is going to be the last one. 
And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're going to like, we're going to get the NFL package because we got like a lot of customers, you know, and the football games are going to start up. And I was like, so like, so we're done. And he's like, yeah. And keep in mind, we were doing this for free. So it's like, so it's like, I just put all this money into this and he was like, yeah, we're done. And I'm like, oh man, uh, that sucks. (laughs) Like that's, they were like, yeah, we got the, you know, we got the thing going out at the mall i don't remember what it was it was like their like bakery thing and all oh, this different yeah. stuff and I it's like about that yeah and it's like man that's cool but then like we stopped doing that people stopped showing up obviously and then like that closed and another thing closed and then i think they ended up having the almost sell it or they sold it and it was just like like i'm not saying that we are carrying them by any means but it was like it just kind of sucked that we had to end that so abruptly you had a good thing going yeah <laughs> and it was so good and then from there uh, Tyler hits me up from the Washington and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, some people keep telling me your name, blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't you come down here and check this out? We want to try and get an open mic started. And I'm like, cool. You know, and I go down there and it's like, now it's like a full sized 32 channel, like still a PV board, not a digital board. And for me, I'm looking at this, like, wow, this is insane. I like I like you know like I felt like I was like I was just so at this point dude like all all I had ever worked at was like in the Broadway on this little six channel PV right. mixer like I didn't I just knew from doing that right and there was this guy there and he was he was their sound guy but he was like a DJ primarily and they're doing this open mic and this kid's up on the stage with a, an acoustic guitar and he's playing and the whole time <laughs> the dude the DJ is is mixing Drake like cutting up some Drake track behind this kid, just trying to play his acoustic guitar and sing. Mm. And there's feedback and it's just like, it's just wild. I'm like, what is going on? Like, is there a DJ or is this kid performing? And the kid doesn't know what to do. He's like freaking out. Cause he's like just getting completely disrespected. Oh yeah. And he, and it's always like nerve wracking. <laughs> he, he's like, I'm going to go in front of a crowd and, and sing my Dude. heart out. And yeah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> exactly and so i'm just like i'm just like appalled like I, I like i don't know what to do i'm like it's like as a sound guy you don't go up and step on somebody's toes like that's just not you don't you can't do right that. but also i'm not a sound guy <laughs> you know like at the time i'm like just nobody but like i knew what this dude was doing and i knew what he like what he was doing wrong and i just went up there and i was like okay this is just a really big version of the board that i have like, so it's got to be roughly the same. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, hey, man, like you got a lot of feedback going on. You're doing this wrong. Like, let me uh, fix this. And I just like started touching the board like huge. No, no, you don't do this. But at the same time, I'm not a sound guy at this point. This guy's definitely not a sound guy. Like he's just a DJ. And it, he's like, and it's a desktop computer. It's not even like he brings a full desktop computer <laughs> in some turntables. It was so wild. It was so wild. And, uh, but I just like, I just start fixing everything. Like I, I get rid of the feedback right away. I'm like adjusting gain, changing EQ, bringing volume down, leveling some things out. And I just turn him completely off. And he's in like, while he's cutting up, he's got like the God mic. And he's like, yo, make some noise. Like, burk, 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 burk. <laughs> and, I'm like and this dude is still on stage, just like, un- like, you know, he's rattled, but like, he's still just playing. And I, like, I, 
the biggest props to that kid. I think he was like 16 at the time. I still vaguely remember who it was. Um, and I just like, I couldn't believe it. And I, I just like turned this guy off, got it going. And after that, like, and I just, and I just covered it for the rest of the night. You know, like I was just there, people were going up on stage and, uh, the, the night gets over, everybody's done. I go up and Tyler's like, yeah, so are you going to like clean all these wires up and stuff? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't know. He's like, yeah, just put them over there. And then uh, after that, he's like, yeah, just come back next Wednesday. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like if, if you'll just do this, just come back next Wednesday, we'll pay you. And I was like, like how much? You know, right, <laughs> you know, yeah, like right. I have no, you're not giving me any details. And he's like, oh, we'll pay you. Don't worry about it. So I show back up and that's how I got the gig at the Washington. And it like, and I was just doing Wednesdays for maybe a month. Tyler had only been there. Tyler had only been there for a few months, like maybe three months, because the Washington had just kind of recently had just reopened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started on like just a little bit after him. And then it was like, hey, man, if I'm going to do this, I, I need a little bit more money. So like I, I got to work more days. So I just started coming in for more and more and more shows. And it just like from there, it was just like this was my spot now. And I just learned it from there. I never said no. I all like anytime anybody was like, can you do this? I would just immediately say yes. Like absolutely without a doubt, 100% I can do that. And it's like, I don't even know what the I'll fuck you're just asking me to do. Like, I have no idea. So I'm like going home and I'm Googling stuff and I'm just like YouTube videos and stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was great because it's like, I'm doing it every day. So at that time they were doing four days a week, Wednesday to Saturday easily like on i would say on average three bands a night um i would almost like it would be two but like on average we were doing like it was a crazy amount of bands every single day and uh there would be nights where i'd do five bands and it's just constant changeovers and it's just a, it's a regular board so there's no recall or anything like that it's like doing sound check and then taking pictures of the board right so i can like re-level everything Man, it was insane. And then uh, after about a year or so, I had started working with Mike, which was great. And uh, or actually, it's probably about may- maybe almost two years. I had started working with Mike, and uh, I had started working with like digital boards and stuff like that. And then we got the Behringer in there, and it just like everything took off. And it's like I'm doing this every day, you know, at the bare minimum four to five hours a day. But I clearly more because sound check and stuff so it's like six to seven hours a day four days a week then i go home and it's like i'm recording myself and i'm using all this stuff and then i ended up buying my own board and it's like we started using that to record and it just like i don't know it just like blew up from there and it was literally an accident and i just like and then it's like i never did anything with video (laughs) like i never i like didn't like it's like i didn't lose the aspiration to make movies but it was just like this is like me now this is what I do. Yeah, you like stumbled so. into a profession. That's pretty awesome. And it's funny because like I'm, I was born in 85. So I'm what, five, six years older than you, I think. You're probably born. Yeah, I was born in 91. Okay. So when I was in like middle school and high school, I, I played guitar my whole life, like for, I don't know, when I hit fifth grade, um, the school was like, 
always you know if you want to join band like take these take go home and ask your parents if you can play the oboe whatever and i have two older siblings and they were like uh you know uh my brother played saxophone my sister played clarinet i was like i want to play guitar my parents are like right on we'll get you uh, a guitar and amp at the pro shop or whatever and i took lessons and stuff but i was the other way where you were saying like you know I mean, my, I guess my friends had like older brothers who were in bands and stuff. And I was like, I was the other way where I was like, oh, I'm going to pick up a guitar and it's just a matter of time before I'm in like a successful rock band that's, you know, touring the US and this will be my life. And then I quickly learned like, I'm a true believer in that. Like, you know, there, there's talent and people always say, you know, if you practice enough, anything's possible. Like I took eight years of guitar lessons. I don't think I was ever born to be a guitar player. And I've accepted that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I never got as good as I wanted to, um, just never really, uh, took off on it has always been more of a hobby. So I was in like one band that actually recorded stuff. Um, but it's funny because like, I'm old enough that we recorded to like cassette tape. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I never really got into that like digital recording. I, I mean, of course I played around on computers and stuff, but I mean, this was like, I mean, Windows 95, what I remember on that was that like Weezer's Buddy Holly video came on there on the disc when you installed it so you could test out your video and audio. And that was like if there's it's funny that like Windows 95 led you to like learn, you know, oh, I can record it led me to like, oh, I'm going to be obsessed with this stupid Weezer band for the rest of my life. But um, yeah, I, I realized quickly, like I'm not made to be a musician because all these bands I'm in, like if you ever hear drama between like band members and like Oasis was always like the band that the brothers hate each other. Like I just never liked people in my pants. I never got along with them. Cause I'm like, I want to do things this way. And they're like, oh, I want to do them this way. I'm like, cool. And let's not be in a band. But uh, no, it's, it's not easy to, uh, to put up with other people and, and to do that. And it's amazing that some of these, these bands have toured forever and done their thing. But uh, you know, I've, I've come into things like that myself. I mean, not, not on the level where I'm doing it as a job, like, like you did, but like, you know, at the theater, when I, I work full time as a graphic designer next to the Capitol and it was like, Hey, uh, you know, does anyone want to run the projector? I'm like, if you let me program some movies, I'll run the projector. Or does anyone want to do this? And it's like, I just sort of fell into those kind of jobs there and they've become just things I do now. So a lot of people don't even realize that I'm a full-time graphic designer because I don't really talk about it much. But, uh, you know, the the movie stuff and the theater stuff and running the film festival, that's all just more of a hobby to me. That, uh, I think, because I think I had ended up asking you that at one point. Because, dude, I was like, Tad's at the theater all the time. He's like, got to own that thing, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude. I think I remember asking you and you told me you were a graphic designer and it was like mind blowing. I was like, I had no idea. No, I have, I still have people like just <clears throat> recently, like uh, my friend Eric Lee that runs the SOM, he was talking yeah. about like wanting to do some new shirts or something. I was like, you know, that's what I do for like a living is design stuff and we print stuff. And he's like, no shit. I'm like, yeah, we can print your menus and stuff. And I could put it. And he's like, oh, I had no idea. That's I just so thought funny. you worked at the theater. I'm like, no, dude, it's a nonprofit. Like most of us, there are our volunteers just doing it because we love it and you know it's like i don't know if i'd want to like when you started doing it for money did it ruin any of the fun or passion or was it just sort of so quick that it was like you didn't really have time to even consider it 
Um, that's actually a good question. I, I think that I never even correlated the two because I always grew up like, like I grew up, like growing up watching my dad, like my dad was always like an artist when it came to the deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and so for me, it was like, I knew that like everything that I do, like I've, I've all, cause I've, I like have literally grown up poor. And so I've always wanted to have like, and I'm not saying like, and I don't have money. I'm still poor, but it's like, me too, I get money sometimes, which is awesome. So it's like, I can afford nice things, but like at the same time, like I'm not even like, I don't even know. Like, I'm definitely not like a middle of the road income family or anything like that. But like, so everything that I always did and like learning early on, it's like, if you are good at anything and it's a thing that people will pay for, don't do it for free. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it's, and it's not to be greedy by any means, but it's like, I mean, if you're providing a service, like provide the service. And there's things that I do for free because I just like to do it. Like, I think that was the greatest part of all of it was like I could separate when I wanted to do something for free and I could separate when I should charge somebody a fee. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody is going to make money, like a substantial amount of money off of the service that I provide them, I'm not going to do it for free because you're going to make a substantial amount of money and you could easily share. Right. But it's like if it's helping somebody out with something or like giving somebody their start or like that spark or like anything i could do it for free and i think the cool thing about that is people knowing that i charge and then giving them something for free made them take it that much more serious mm-hmm. and that much more to heart and they were like they they didn't take it for granted and i think that's the coolest part like anytime that i offer anything to anybody like or i try to do anything and i and i never tell anybody like my number one thing is like there's a million ways to do this you don't have to do it my way but this is what i have found efficient and i can show you this and i'm gonna do this you know like i'm gonna just give you this you know Mm -hmm. and with that like it's like i know that they take that information and they're not just like in one ear out the other or like completely disregarding it like they're taking it as something which is always cool so i don't know I, i didn't lose I didn't lose the love of it. Like I still make music and I don't make any money off of the music that I made. Like, I mean, granted we haven't like released anything in years, but like we're still making stuff and it's like, we're, we're coming up with like these amazing ideas for stuff. And like from where we were to where we are now, like it's, it's so amazing because I can see the progression mm-hmm. and normally I can't normally I'm like, dude, we're just not good enough. Like, like I hate myself, you know? And so it's like, now it's like, I'm listening to some of the stuff that we're doing and it's like, this is amazing. But at the same time, like I would do this for free. Like if I had, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, cause I've been working in churches and we were talking, we had to go get something for a job I was doing and we were, we were driving and uh, the lady asked me like, you know, like, how I got into this and blah, 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 and why I do what I do. And it's like, because like I purely, it's like the, it's the one thing that I love to do and I've gone broke doing it. I've gotten money doing it. You know, like 
I've made a career out of it twice. Like I've lost it because the pandemic, I've built it back up. I was like, if I had a billion and a half dollars, like if I never ever in my life had to worry about money again or anybody in my entire family line for the next 25 generations never had to worry about money again, like I would still be here doing this very thing right now in this moment no hesitation that's awesome because it's it's like 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 this is what i want to do so it's like this is what i want to have money for to do is is these jobs like build this setup like build the studio for you like i want to make i would use my money to do it if i could like like if i had that much money you know like i'd be like i'm just gonna do it for you guys like do you want this no yes like i'll pay for it like i i just love I, I, love, I love working with sound. I love making music. I love helping people make music. I love giving, you know, any type of direction that I can to help somebody achieve that. And whether they use that information or not, it doesn't matter. If it, it, as long as it helps them a little bit to figure out the information they need, that's what I love to do. So with the Read and Return, you guys are currently working on some new stuff? We are. We, uh we might we've we've kicked around the idea of rebranding and changing the name okay um but we are working on stuff and we have like probably like 30 different things going on right now like we have like like demos or what do you like 30 different yeah, things okay like like demos so it's like we have a lot of tracks recorded probably even more i mean depends on how far you want to go back but like we haven't we released our last album in 2015 and then from there, we took a little bit of a break. Like, I needed a break just for my own personal reasons. Like, I just, like, I needed to step away and figure out if this was something that I loved. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds weird after, like, that whole explanation. <laughs> but, like, I needed to make sure that it was something that I enjoyed. Because, like, there were moments where it's, like, like I've given up, like, actual jobs for this because it, it just wouldn't align. Like, mm-hmm. it just, like takes me away from it and it's it's something that i find so much enjoyment out of or at least i told myself that i found so much enjoyment out of but at the end of the day it's like you know i'm still broke i don't have health insurance right you know like like if i had a job i could get health insurance and and it's like it's things like that where it's like i needed to make sure that that's what i wanted to do but like i I ended up getting a job at like guitar center so it's like i'm not that far away from it you know, but like I am working like a a real job, you know, and uh, I yeah, I mean it. I I liked coming back to it. I I loved it. I mean, like getting back into it, it was just one of those things where it's like I'm so happy that I found my way back, and it just occurred naturally. I didn't have to force myself into it. Yeah, like I feel like I'm still in a lull because we haven't released anything. But it's like, I'm taking everything so much more serious now when we do make something. Like, there's things that we've done, like demos that we've done, where it's like, this is fucking badass. (laughs) And now we listen to it, it's like, we got to update this a little bit. We got to make this better. We got to make that better. This sounds a little dated. And it's like, it's like, I'm glad I didn't release that because now we're going to go back and change like a few things. And it's just going to make it that much more better. And there is a thing to be in like, hey, man, just release it, release it, release it, constantly release. And yeah, just come put on, it Kanye. out there. 
<laughs> but like at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's nice that like, that we didn't because now somebody gets to hear it the way that I want them to hear it mm-hmm. only because I wasn't knowledgeable enough to do it then, but I am now. So we get to go back to it and, and make it the way that I heard it or like Steven heard it in his head because we know how to do it now. So yeah, I mean, there's plenty of songs on the album that we released where it's like, ah, I wish that we could have went back and did it this way. And then we ended up releasing a reimagined album that was literally that. It was like, ah, we would have did these things differently. And then we just re-released the tracks like a couple years later. Yeah. I mean, so that's not, you know, that's not all that uncommon in music and film, obviously. Like you look at like the George Lucas thing with him going back mm-hmm. and, you know, it can be good or bad. Like I, I jokingly said Kanye, but the guy is just, you know, he's putting out his own, his music on stem players. He's like, you guys mix it. You know, I don't, dude, I can sort that of, that stem re- player thing. I can sort of like relate to that stuff. Cause it's like, I, I get so overwhelmed with decisions. I'm like, am I making the right choice? And sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll sit on things because I don't, you know, it's like, am I doing this right? And it's like, you know, I look back at even, I've only been doing this, you know, where I'm on in like episode 90 almost, I think. And it's like, if I've went back and tried to listen to like my first 10 episodes, I'd probably hate myself and want to go back and, and, you know, find those multi-tracks and re-edit and re-do everything. And I'll probably listen to this episode and, a year and be like, God, what was I thinking? I should have had this or done this and whatever. But, you know, we're always constantly evolving, learning. Uh, you know, it's not just music. It's with filmmaking, obviously, with all kinds of things, you know. And I think uh, you, you talked about, like, seeing your own progression. That's a big part of it, you know. You're seeing it literally in your own demos, too. Yeah, uh, you know... <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm definitely going to go back a year from now and listen to this and be like, man, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, dude, <laughs> I do that with everything. But like, yeah, yeah, I, I 100% see you, man. Like, there are things that like, I think that's kind of where we're getting at too. We're getting at that point where it's like, maybe we're focused a little bit too hard on it. But uh, man, I, I don't know. I appreciate I appreciate waiting because we used to do things and we would release them as soon as we got it done. We'd be like, man, this is awesome. And we're just so excited to be done with it and like show it to people that it's like, don't put it on an album, release it as a single. Mm -hmm. Then you have 48 singles, but you don't have an album. And it's like, it, it is nice being able to take the time and reflect on it and listen to it over and over and be like, ah, that sucks. We got to do that better. (laughs) You know? But like, even then, like we do a lot of things too now where it's like, we record them with the idea of knowing like, we're going to go back and re-record it. So it's like, we just knock out these scratch vocals or like these little ideas. And it's just like it, like I have demos that are literally like a thousand post-it notes with little scribbles on them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, I, I don't know. I love it, but it's it's just one of those things, too. It's just, like, I, I do often think about, like, I often think about how funny it is that so much of this, because, I like, I've done so many cool things that, like, might not mean anything to somebody that's done way cooler things, but for me, it's, like, I don't know. I'm so happy that this was, like, my mistake that I made that put me here, because... Dude, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like I could be happy working in a cubicle somewhere, you know? Like, if I didn't find music, like, I don't know what I would be doing. Because I don't necessarily know that I would have gotten, like, 
into video or anything like that. Like I could have not had any hobby and I could totally be happy with just going to like a really crappy nine to five every single day and just hating my life every single day and just like not having anything that I enjoy to do. Like I know people that don't have hobbies and that's so weird to me because oh, I, I got know. like 47 of them. And, well, it's no, like, and it's like the majority and of it's the like, people I have on this podcast are, are like me and you. And I sometimes I think about that or I have, I have friends that are same way and I'm like, they'll be like, you know, Hey, you want to like hang out sometime? And I'm like, well, let me look at my calendar and see when I have a free night. And they're like, you do too much. And I'm like, you don't do anything. So, you know, there's probably a happy medium in the middle somewhere, but like, you know, all of my friends have are, are in music film. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be that podcast and it can be, um, you know, they're, they're making things selling like, you know, artists that are Bro, I'm getting into 3d printing possibly soon. I don't know what tomorrow holds. It, is it like, I, I don't know if it's like uh, something in our personalities, like something that's ingrained in like creatives, but it's just like, you know, you talking about like earlier using that microphone on, on your grandma's computer and shit. And it's like, you know, we're at this level now where everything is like right at our fingertips. Like it's not a matter of, I can't afford to do that. It's like, you can find a way to do just about anything. Now our phones have 4k cameras on them. You know, it's, it's, it's not what you have. It's how you use it. And it's like, I mean, there's, there's just, you know, endless possibilities for people now. And, and, I just, I don't know, man. It's like, I, I'm surrounded by all these people and it, it's sort of nice just because it's like, I never feel competitive with people now. I'm just sort of like absorbing everything. And it's almost overwhelming because I'm just like, I have so many friends who are doing so many things. It's like, I want to go and see everybody's shows and I want to go watch everybody's movies. And I want to support like to their GoFundMes. And I want to, it's just like, holy shit, like the create, I'm just like, you know, I'm in my thirties now and it's, and I have friends who own businesses and stuff. And I'm like, damn, like everybody's like on top of their game right now. It's just awesome to see like everybody just being able to like put out their, um, creativeness, like get, get out that, you know, bug that's in them and and get it out there in a way. And it's just, no matter what it is, it's just inspiring. Dude, that's (laughs) exactly, that's so like on the head. Like, I get so excited for people to do things. Like, it, it amps me up to no end. Like, like seeing Emil get into, like, video, and it's like, I've known that dude forever, and I always give him a hard time because, like, it's like he's seen, like, four movies in his entire life, and I always, like, I'm like, bro, how'd you, like, like, I always have to give him crap. But now it's like seeing what he's doing and seeing, like, all the stuff that he's producing, seeing him travel and act and, like, and and direct and like all these different things and like I've had a few conversations with him and it's like it's like the stuff that he doesn't even mention to people is cool. Seeing like bro, seeing like Brendan Carper, Hunter, like <laughs> I, I always say Brendan's whole name by the way. <laughs> but uh, but Hunter, Alex, Colkman, I say his whole name all the time. Like seeing those guys like in and like Love's Blind and like all the stuff that they've done and all their iterations, like I'm so excited and so pumped to see those guys doing stuff. Like Brendan's like starting to produce stuff on his own, or at least he has been. And now he's like opening up his sessions for other people and like letting people come to his house and record. And it just like, it gets me so amped because there's like not enough people are just doing things nowadays. Like nobody does anything now. Like, like when I was in high school, bro, like, I I did everything like anything that I could get my hands on. I wanted to do it and I wanted to prop up my friends. Like 
right out of high school, like we had the stuff going with the Broadway and like, like me and Emil were traveling to like New York uh, or DC. And then the next year, New York to like perform for like A&Rs and stuff, which could have been a scam, who knows? But like we were going and doing it, you know? And it's like, we were just taking the chance. We're jumping out there. And it's like, now it's like, I don't know anybody that's starting a band right now that isn't in their 20s, like, like isn't in their late 20s, you know? Like, I don't know anybody that's like, going out and like playing with their friends and like just doing anything like I don't know anybody from the younger generation or the next generation I should say I guess that's like just like getting it you know like everybody's like getting on TikTok and Instagram and trying to be influencers and that's cool and like I'm not saying that that's nothing because like now we're all trying to figure out how to do that right yeah <laughs> but to like, turn our, yeah but like and, and use that use that as a tool yeah but it's like, but it's like people are getting on there and promoting nothing. Right. <laughs> You're just like, and it, and it sucks, man. Cause it's like, I know so many people that could be talented, but they're just too afraid to take that first step. Like they could be talented in what they want to do. They could do the thing that they want to do, whether it's art, like painting, drawing, music, video, like anything, but they don't want to take the first step because they're just like, Oh, I don't know. It's like, just fucking do it bro like what like, What are you waiting for yeah i think people, and people get real scared of failure you know and yeah man <laughs> you know like i'd say look at me but like <laughs> you know <laughs> but like uh i don't know man it, it's just like i i feel like there's just not a lot of people that are just going out there and doing it or finding a way and i feel like every generation says that but like we're all wrong but i don't know man I, like there's a lot of people that like i'd love to put on and it's like there's a lot of people that are on and they're doing it themselves. And it it sucks because like I feel like that like if I blow, we all blow mentality is just kind of lost. Like I feel like it is a competition thing now more than it was before. Like when I was younger, like there was a there was a bit of that. There was like uh if he makes it, I can't make it, or blah 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 blah, like there was like, it was like a competition, but it's like coming to the realization and trying to show people, it's like, no, man, there is space for all of us right. at this table. And if we just all market each other and we all push each other forward and lift each other up, like there is space for everyone here at the table. And you don't have to stand on anybody else's head to reach. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. don't have to kick anybody down. And it just feels like, like, it feels like there's just not enough of that anymore. So, like, anytime I get the chance to, man, like, I, like, I'll always promote somebody else's stuff. Like, like, I always want to put out, like, who's doing what. If it's, like, if, if I can remember it at the time, too. Like, I also don't want anybody to feel like I'm just, like, ghosting them. But, you know. Yeah. Lots I of people are doing cool stuff, and, and, it, and it needs to be. It needs to be put out there. Well, like even today when we're recording this, like I saw um, Jay posted the Manhattan blockades opening for Armor for Sleep. And I'm like, fucking yes. Armor for Sleep. Like, how fucking cool is that? Like, you know, that that's like a that's a dream. That was like a band. That, you know, I own every one of their albums. I've seen them several times to have a friend opening for them. That's just fucking rad. Good for them, dude. It's so like so like and Jay, so Jay, I don't know, like how long you've known, like Raid and Return, but like. Dude, when Steven moved back to Burlington, <clears throat> he was, like, living with me. And it was by chance that me and Steven met. Like, we met at a Walmart at, like, one in the morning. <laughs> like, 
so funny. Like that whole thing was just a mistake too. Like that was a happy accident. And then like we started working at uh, Trade Home Shoes, and then Dr- uh, Jay got hired as the manager, and we like started hanging out with him. And then so he was like part of Read and Return. Like like he was like an OG. Like mm-hmm. when we started that back up. And so it's like it's so awesome to see where he's progressed because like like I remember. He was showing me. I don't know if Jay wants me throwing all this out there either, because like, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. But I, I think he would he would be chill with it. But like he was showing me like poem books and stuff like that that he had written, and he told me that he was in bands before, but he had like kind of fallen out of it. And it's like so it's like just me begging him, like, dude, come out, like, come check this out, like, come to a session, like, we'll, you know, we'll show you what to do and blah 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 blah, and like just like pulled him back into it, which was freaking awesome now because like we see where he's at and like we see him in manhattan blockade and and all those guys are awesome too so dude uh, yeah it's i mean it's awesome like it's awesome seeing everybody do what they love to do well like on this show i mentioned almost every episode that i'm trying to like get rid of that stigma where people are like you know especially it's it's sort of a toxic trait in the the film circles where um, if you mention or someone brings up a movie and you say you haven't seen it, everybody's like almost shames you into feeling like you have to lie about it. And it was funny because um, two episodes ago, I watched seven for the first time and people were going, you've never seen seven. You're the movie guy. You're the horror guy. And I'm like, no, I've never seen it. And I got to watch it for the first time. And it was, you know, and I got to talk about it on a podcast right after. And it was really awesome. And with like, you, you mentioned a meal, not seeing movies. Like, I had him on for for Jaws and I was like, so like what other Spielberg movies like how does this rank in them? And he's like, oh, this is my first Steven Spielberg movie. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like I want to have a a Steven Spielberg marathon with you, Emil, but also awesome because he's out there making stuff without all this influence. Like there's uh, of Mm -hmm. course we have like Tarantino who's seen every fucking movie under the sun and his movies are literally like compilation clips from all the movies he grew up with which is fantastic. I love his films. But you, when you look at someone like Emil, who you said, you know, he hasn't seen a lot. It's like this stuff is just coming out of him. Like there's not influence. You know, he's not being uh, even subconsciously like pulling stuff from someone else's work. This is, you know, his stuff like purely him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, that's even more impressive. I'm like, dude, like th- he's I can't imagine like even he, he can watch things and he's not even like he's not i've watched things i'm like oh that's a knockoff of this or they're ripping off that and it's like i wish i could almost re-see some of these things like you know i wish i could re-see et for the first time like with what i know now or you know i wish Mm -hmm. i would have like at his age to be able to see jaws for the first time when i saw jaws it was you know shitty quality on tv with commercials it's like i would have loved to seen it as an adult like on a 4k remastered you know and it's like I'm just happy for him. Like I celebrate that. That's that's freaking awesome, dude. I wish uh, I wish all the movies that I love were in 4K remastered. Man, I was watching uh, I was watching this movie again to brush up on it, and I, like it came up with the WB logo, and it <laughs> was so distorted, and I was just like. Uh, it's a good thing the stories were there. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I guess um, since we're like 45 minutes into it, we can jump into the movie we're talking about, which if, if you see the topic, you already know what it is, but we're going to talk about Wild America. My brothers always say, if it wasn't crazy, it wasn't worth doing. Let's do a blood brother sort of thing. We are blood brothers. 
Marty wanted to shoot wild animals. With a camera, that is. We gotta get the shots everybody else is afraid to get. The dangerous ones. Mark was on the lookout for a different kind of action. Gosh, they've really grown up. Me? I'd do anything just to go along for the ride. Go on! Then one day, something happened. Go on, have a look through it. Yeah. That was totally wild. This could be our ticket out of here. You're not going anywhere. Go on the road and film animals. I'm going to. Eagles, snakes, fish, whatever's getting killed off. We're not coming back till we get it. Sleeping bears ready to wake up and tear our faces off. You being careful. Safety first, Mom. That's our motto. Marshal! I've got it all on film. What's wrong with you? Our brother almost died. You're Marshal's protector? I must have missed the great transformation. You boys ain't from around here, are you? I'm having fun, aren't you? I'm having a blast. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Devin Sawa, and Scott Bearstone. Wild America. You sure this is a nude beach? It is now. Marshal, stay here. Guard the equipment. Okay, Wild America was released July 2nd, 1997, written by David Michael Weiger, which apparently, um, looking at his IMDb, this is the only thing he's ever done film-wise. He's never written another film, never produced, directed, nothing. His only credit on IMDb. Um, directed by William Deere, who also did uh, s- such hits as Angels in the Outfield, Harry and the Hendersons, one of my favorites, and uh, unfortunately, he directed The Sandlot 3. Um, starring, Oof. yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Marshall, Devin Sawa as Mark. Um, you might recognize Devin from Casper now and then, Idle Hands, Final Destination, all kinds of bangers. Um, Scott Barisau as Marty, Francis Fisher as Agnes, who's the mom, uh, Jamie Sheridan as Marty Sr., the dad, Tracy Walter as Leon, the weird drunk uncle friend guy, and then uh, Zach Ward as DC, the bully, who you might recognize as Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. So this is my first time watch. I was really stoked when I reached out to you. We had uh, talked about having you on the podcast. And I always sort of do this thing where I ask people, like, what are what are some of your favorite movies? And people, one, always assume that I've seen everything. And I, there's, I have not seen everything. I've seen a lot of weird stuff, but not a lot of the big ones. Um, and, and they're afraid that I'm going to, like, judge them for their picks or something. And I was so stoked when you, you came to me with Wild America. I'm like, I Googled it and I'm like, a, a 90s Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. This is exciting because I could tell like you legit love this movie. Dude, it is a, it is like premium 90s movie. I, I have so many memories watching this movie when I was a kid. And there was like a lot. You actually mentioned like, because I, I told you like too, like now and then is like another one. It's like one of those like, like, 
teen girl empowerment movies, I feel like, that came out of the 90s, but at the same time, it was just like a low-key banger. Dude, I, like, I, I grew up know, with an older I, I sister. I, Devin Sawa and Jonathan Taylor Thomas were staples in the household. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, I... I at the time was like, oh, I don't these girly films. And then, you know, now like Clueless is probably in my top 10 of all time. Like, thanks to my sister. You know, there, I'm I'm not going to judge anyone for this stuff, man. I, yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah no, I, in our house a lot, too. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even care, dude. I loved like I dude. I'll watch. There's not a whole lot of stuff that I just won't watch. And there's not a, like it's hard for me to like. There's some movies that I don't like, but it's hard for me to just hate something right out of the gate for any reason, like unless I watch it and I'm like, oh, it just wasn't good, you know, so like I'll watch anything and uh, this like, yeah, now and then was dope. This is I don't want to get off on a tangent. I'm assuming you've seen that. Obviously, you just said yes. Yeah. Um, Like, uh, but it was just like those 90s movies. As soon as you asked me, like, that, like those all flashed in my head. And there's another one, too, that I wanted to mention was uh, uh, Born to be Wild. I don't know if you've ever seen that either. But um, I, I was just like, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, dude, I would love to talk about that one another time if you haven't seen it. But, uh, like, 90s movies for me, I don't know, man. Movies today are good. Like, movies are cool. And uh, they do a lot of remakes and stuff like that. But, like, in general, movies today are, like, awesome because they look amazing. And you can tell that they're going to age well. But it's, like, they're almost too perfect. And they're just too on the head. And I feel like everything just, it speeds through all the wrong things. Where, like, 90s movies, it's, like, the attention span wasn't there. They didn't think that they could get anybody to sit down and watch a two-hour movie unless it was, like, Titanic or whatever. So it's like they glossed over a lot of like the little things that didn't need a whole lot of time, you know, mm-hmm. and they hit on the right parts. And this movie is so aggressively 90s, but like also it's like about growing up in like the 60s. So it's like, I don't know, some of it kind of hit home because it's like I remember, <laughs> you know, like my brother throwing firecrackers at me and like tying me up to a chair and throwing me into a pool of water. So it's like there was a lot of things that like in that movie, it's like, dude, I did a lot of this. Like I definitely should have died like at least 30 times when I was a kid. Where, where do you fall more. in your family? Like as far as siblings, what do you have? So. I have a lot of siblings, like, because I have, like, five siblings from just, like, my dad's side. And then, like, there's my brother and I from my dad and my mom. And so I am the youngest of those two. So obviously I have an older brother. But, like, then I also have, like, a younger brother who I don't actually even see that much and younger sister and, like, all younger siblings on that side. But I grew um, up with an older brother. Yeah, just in the household. It was just an older brother. But then... He also had friends that would come over and they would kind of like, my family has always been like the parent family. Like, we, like we'll house anybody. Like, yeah. I mean, we grew up, I mean, man, we grew up poor and stuff. And like, we just like anybody that needed a helping hand, we were there. And so like a lot of times it was like, like if you're friends with us, like you're family, like we'll treat you like family. So my brother's friends would all pick on me too. So it was like, it was like being the youngest. It like there was always people there, you know. Oh yeah, and I, mean, uh, I completely can relate to that and and relate to this movie too. I, I'm my brother, I think he's I should know he's five years older than me, and uh, 
or, or yeah, f- five years older, five year gap in there. And, uh, yeah, his friends, there's definitely times I probably should have died too. I mean, I, I just wanted to be them. So I followed them around and mimicked them and, you know, yep. and was doing things I should not have done much like, uh, Marshall was in this movie. Yeah. Same deal. My brother is uh, five years older than me and it was just, and I didn't know any better. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to hang around as long as I can. And dude, it, it like, this movie, like the concept of it, like having the weird uncle there, perfect, just like <laughs> on the nose. Like I, like I didn't have a weird uncle, but there was always like, like a family friend that would hang out and like it was yep. just strange. And then it's like, like the super stoic dad. Like I didn't have like a super stoic dad. Like my dad was was around me a lot up until I was like probably eight, and then I didn't see him a lot until. Uh, maybe seven or eight. And then I didn't see him again until like I turned like 12. So it's like, I didn't have that around, but like it was one of those nineties dad things where it's like, you watch so much movies like, or so many movies that it's like, it kind of just grows on you. Like you kind of are there. Like, it's like your dad in the movies, you know? So, Oh yeah. I don't know, man. There's just like people that you looked up to that you would see in like media and stuff like that. And so it, it just felt real. Like it just felt super authentic. Like the mom that would go behind the back and like, yeah, you know, I cooked this apple pie. <laughs> She's yeah. like pulling it out of the store bought packaging and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, just everything was just so on the head and just so perfect to me that like, I don't know, man, that movie, I remember growing up and like watching that before bedtime because we would always watch a movie to go to bed. And it was always supposed to be like something that would put us to sleep, but that was like always the one where it's like, nah, we're definitely not going to sleep. Like we're definitely going to be singing Born to be Wild <laughs> at midnight at the top of our lungs. And uh, so, yeah, man, I like this movie just like kind of embalms my childhood. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I found it very relatable too. And of course, it's it's funny because like, we were a home improvement house. Like we never missed oh, an yeah. episode of home improvement. So like Tim Allen was like, you know, for TV sure. dad, you know, of course I, I'm a little bit older. So we had, I, I grew up, you know, watching stuff, whatever my brother and sister wanted to watch. They being older, always had control of the remote. And it started with like full house, but that was, you know, I was watching reruns of full house, but like this, I was watching new episodes of home improvement. So that like Jonathan Taylor, Thomas, you know, I probably related more to, um god what's the youngest one that ended up turning goth like he, he was the mark mark yeah that was the yeah. one like i he was like that's me my brother's brad you know and we didn't have uh a jonathan taylor thomas in our family but it was like you know you, you find yourself like in your character in that tv show and you know and, and like you said sort of with the tv dad like my dad he sort of was like i go to work i make the money i come home like leave me alone mom does all the parent things and you know we we were never he was there all the time we just never really we butted heads we were both sort of uh stubborn didn't get along a lot we got a lot get along a lot better now that we don't share a household like as soon as i could move out and you know we lived in separate houses we got along much better but it was like i i he wasn't like the dad in this movie where he was teaching me life lessons and whatever but uh you know it's 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 all sort of you sort of like relate it to your story in some way Dude, absolutely. Uh, we, it's funny. We, yeah, we were a home improvement house for sure. Like every day, five o'clock. Yeah. That's what was on. And, uh, 
Dude, and it's funny because like my dad was like Tim Allen. Like, <laughs> like I remember my I remember like having a soccer game at the Y, and like my mom wasn't there, so I was like, oh, this is weird, you know. And then she's rolling up after the game. My dad's got an eye patch on because a light bulb blew up in his face <laughs> while he was changing it. And it's like, and like my dad was like the mechanic guy, so like he was always like just like out working on something. Like, and dude, he'd always be under his car, and it's like. Dude, like, what? what's the next injury? And then, like, it would just, like, relate to my grandpa who's, like, cut himself with a chainsaw, like, 15 times, dude. Like, it's just, like, always accident-prone men. And, like, then then it's, like, my brother, like, my brother grew up, and he wanted to, like, play football and do, like, all the sports and stuff like that. And I, like, couldn't be less interested in it unless I wanted to do better than him at it just to, like, mm-hmm. show him up, you know? Because right. it's, like, oh, you don't want to hang out with me? How about I just throw this football better, you know? So oh, it's well, like, then, yeah, brothers is, I, like, this um, embedded competitiveness. Like, you can't help it. Dude, I definitely had, like, I, like, I definitely had the middle child feel for for, you know, home improvement. Like, it was definitely, like... I, I couldn't relate with Mark because, like, at the time, I wasn't really into music. So it's it's just so funny, man. Like, um, and, and my brother was definitely a Brad, so it's <laughs> that's pretty funny, too. So, yeah, man, I, like, Home Improvement, that was the show. I still, I don't know if you've watched that recently. Oh, but I, every, I've gone th- every October, I, th- I fire up the Halloween episodes. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, dude, like, it, it's it's hard. Like, you can definitely tell Jonathan Taylor Thomas got typecasted a lot because he <laughs> played the same kid almost every time, but it was always amazing. Well, yeah, this, uh, is, this is 97, so this was sort of at the tail end of his, like, he sort of suffered from that uh, same fate like Macaulay Culkin. He lasted a little bit longer, but, like, they get, like you said, typecasted in these roles of the cute kid and he was actually a really good actor and he did a lot of good voiceover stuff. He ended up, you know, he's Lion mm-hmm. King, but um, I, I don't. And, and of course, I've read a little bit about like the fact that he just he got to a point where he was like, I don't need to do this anymore. And, and it's not what I love. It wasn't a matter of like his roles drying up. Same sort of same thing with Macaulay, where it was like, I've reached this point where it's not fun anymore. And I just I'm going to go live a normal kid life, you know, and they both sort of to me like embody that 90s like kid you know they were they were famous but jtt lasted until like he was in his teens where macaulay yeah 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 and uh god what there was a couple of them that he 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 was in uh the pinocchio i think that was one of the last ones he did um i think he was older in in the christmas movie one yeah i do remember yeah that pinocchio was might have been the last one he did yeah, you could tell like he was just like not into it. He was just like, ah, I just I'm getting this one last check. That that's always the saddest thing too, because like when you're a kid, it's like you couldn't want something more, like any more, like than being a kid that's famous and you can get everything that you want because you make money. Like I can have ice cream for dinner because I'll pay for it. You know, like right. Like I remember being a kid and just wanting to be a kid actor so bad, but like then you grow up and you see all these kid actors that just wanted to be a kid that's the saddest part yeah i mean obviously like devin sawa was a big one i remember um obviously casper was was right there um and then he sort of he he had like a little bit of a break in there but then he came back with like idle hands and he played like the stoner and i'm like 
he he sort of broke that typecast. I mean, he was obviously mm-hmm. a, a good looking, you know, young kid that was known for his his handsome bowl cut in the in the nineties, but I feel like uh as he like aged I had that bowl cut. Yeah, me too. And I feel like he, he sort of took some different roles that maybe some of these other actors might have been a little cautious or afraid to take that might ruin their image and, and he's still going and I I've really liked he's done some really fantastic horror stuff recently and uh, you know, obviously he was he was Stan, Eminem Stan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like he has almost generations. You could ask it's sort of like a Tim Curry where you could ask someone where they know Devin Sawa from and it's like, oh, I know I know your age because if you remember him as Stan versus Casper versus, you know, Idle Hands, it's like or Final Destination. I mean Yeah, I was just gonna say Final yeah. Destination too when he came back into it. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's cool to see him still doing it. and I just sort of felt bad watching this because I'm like, I don't know who Scott Barristow is. That plays I was Hardy, just gonna say but he's I don't he's know so good in this. He is very good. It's he has this like I know people that look like that guy. Me too. You know what I'm saying? I had a look on so IMDb to see if he was uh, someone I actually an, another actor that was like um, uh, Jim Cummings, who's who's one of my favorite like indie director writer um, actors who who he stars in all of his own movies. I was like, this guy looks just like him, but there's that's not possible because he would have been way younger in '97. It freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you obviously you looked up the IMDb. He hasn't been in anything else other than this. Or? He has. He's been in a few things, but nothing. He did not have Notable. the career leading up or after that. Uh, JTT or Devin Sawa did. It was sort of like a weird. I mean, how do you get cast in this and yeah. have to go up against these two giants of the '90s? I mean, they're those two faces on the poster. It's like might as well not put mine on there, you know. Yeah, I, I wonder I wonder how that came about for him, that job. I mean, he crushed it. Yeah. Like he I I mean to think that he wasn't like some crazy actor beforehand nor after, but like like stole the show in his own way, you know? I mean it was because I mean you have you have Jonathan Taylor Thomas narrating the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like clearly it's kind of centered around him. But I mean, his older brother's performance, Marty's performance, is just like capturing the whole time. Whether it be like the super loving brother, uh, the kid that he looks up to because maybe his dad's not around all the time, so he's got to look up to his older brother to like just kind of throwing him under the bus and like, yeah, go out there and get smoked by that moose, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, yeah, man. It, I don't know. He he definitely killed the role, so it's it's sad to like, you know, see that it. It didn't necessarily come to an end for him there, but it was kind of like his biggest break. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I noticed um, while watching this too, like as the title card come up, came up, it says Jonathan Taylor Thomas in Wild America, and then it lists the rest of the credits. So it's like clear that at this point in '97, he was like the selling point for this. Like we're going to use his face, his name. This is going to be our golden ticket to, uh, you know, get this get this to be successful and uh you know it he's he was uh you know a really great actor too i think it would be i think he's come back for uh tim allen's like what last man standing his his like conservative comedy or whatever he, he's done some cameos i didn't watch that oh uh, yeah i think he did like one cameo appearance where he shows up as some like a lawyer or something uh just as a favor but other That's than that, cool. it's it's pretty crazy. Like I think he could, pro- he probably could have a comeback if he wanted, but he just wants to live a private life, which I respect the hell out of too. But uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see him come back, man. Yeah, me too. But you know, if he's happy not doing it, but, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I guess uh, if you haven't seen this and you're listening to this for some reason, I always tell people, like, hit pause, watch it, because we're going to spoil everything. But the basic premise is pretty simple. It's set in the in the summer of 67 in Fort Smith, Arkansas is where it starts. Um, it's three brothers. Uh, we mentioned Marshall, Mark, and Marty. Uh, and they are sort of just adventurous, uh, crazy, wild kids that – I mean, especially in the 60s, you, you have that image of that's just how it was. We didn't have, I mean, seatbelts. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't have seatbelts. They, they so, seat like... so, but yeah, I mean, the, what you did was you went outside and you got into trouble. And these these kids are always out, but they're in general good kids. Um, Marshall, the youngest brother, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, is sort of a dreamer. He's always looking up. And like you said, he narrates the film. So it's from his perspective. And it sort of uh, threw me off when the two older brothers take off on their adventure because I, I did not watch a trailer. I did not look at a poster. I did not do anything leading up to this besides see who was in it just to, to find the movie. But um, when they took off and I'm like, Oh shit, like how, how's this going to work? Because yeah, Marshall's narrating it and they're leaving without him. And, and I, I'm, I love being an idiot. I always tell people I'm really dumb when it comes to movies. Cause my brain, literally did not put two and two together like oh he's going to find his way into the story my brain is like a child it's like how is this gonna work Mar- they're leaving marshall behind and, and now we're gonna have the perspective of marshall sitting at home while his brothers are out and then of course he pops up in the back seat but um the, the story is that while they're doing these crazy fun stunts and 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 having their fun they have this cheap little camera that they're filming all of it all these stunts on and then they show them in their garage to their friends um and they decide one day when they're out getting their film developed, they find this really nice camera at the camera shop and they convince their mom and dad to loan them the money to pay for it. And they're going to go on this uh, cross country adventure to film um, wild animals, unseen sort of endangered animals. Cause at the time no, people didn't just have phones on them to record these things. Uh, and they're going to sell this footage to a local news station and sort of make it a, worthwhile venture pay their dad back and uh sort of start a job doing this and of course things don't go as planned but they they get some great footage and uh they go on this big epic adventure where they meet a crazy crocodile guy they get in a fight with a moose they meet a crazy wilderness guy played by danny glover that was a weird cameo I was gonna ask you about that. I was gonna get into that, but I'll let you. I'll let you continue the premise real quick. And then, yeah, and then it sort of. Um, it has a it sort of. I wasn't sure if it stuck to ending or not because I was like, they 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 make their way back home and they sort of have their tails tucked between their legs, like thinking that they did not succeed. Um, and then it turns out that they did because they had the footage, and you know, it, 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 I had no idea it was based on a true story till the very end. Um, when they sort of reveal like what these these guys went on to do, but the one thing that sort of threw me off was like towards the end when um marshall puts this this plane that they've had in their garage together and and just takes off in it i'm like where did this come from i guess it's just sort of to the wild aspect of wild america but um that that whole scene with the the airplane sort of threw me off but otherwise it was i i really enjoyed this this was a lot of fun i think uh man there's so much to unpack there's (laughs) (laughs) like to to, like so with the airplane thing I think that that's like one of those things that it's like we almost can't relate to that because we don't know what the 60s were like. But I agree that that was like kind of like just the wild America thing, because you got to think of like 
how many farmers were out there with just crop dusters sitting in their garage. Right. That you, like, they would buy a plane literally for $300 because $300 in the 60s was, like, a lot of money (laughs) and not just, like, you know, I just spent $1,000 on a new iPhone, you know what I'm saying? So it's, like, one of those things, too, that you think about. It's, like, yeah, like, maybe he would just have that. And, like, I think that all came to, like, the whole lie that his dad was, you know, this guy who flew planes on the war and like blah 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 so it's like now i want to grow up and be a pilot as well it was like it was a weird thing that they like i felt like they kind of forced in there but that's also another thing with like 90s movies where dude they're you know an hour and 30 minutes long and they're trying to cram as many things in there as possible to make it cohesive as well. Right. It's a company and not spend... story. Yeah. And, and yeah, he was, they were making it so that, you know, relate Marshall to, to the, his dad, because it felt like the older brothers had their different relationships. Like they always butted heads with, with dad and, and Marshall sort of stayed out of the way and was, he, he was like those, I mean, it's sort of, can relate again to that with like the youngest, you know, my, like I'm probably closer to my mom than my, my older brother was, uh, she treated me different because I was the baby. And it's like, we can see that in this too. Marshall gets, you know, favored uh, by both of his parents a little bit. Yeah, like the idea that he's just going to sneak into this vehicle. Which, by the way, like when the movie's opening up and you see the vehicle that they're in and it's like, is that the vehicle from Jeepers Creepers? Because it, <laughs> it looks, looks a, a lot bit, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like... It's like thinking about in the 60s how you could just be a kid and just disappear for two weeks and, like, have to call your mom on a payphone and be like, yeah, I snuck into the back of the truck and now we're, you know, halfway across America and surprise. Like, I, man, I don't know. There's it's, it's one of those movies that it's, like, it's easy to relate to because they hit those, like, 90s era, like, kind of family stereotypes. But then it's also, it's like, it makes you wonder because like it is set in the sixties. And I wonder if somebody who watched it that grew up in that time, like I wonder how hard it would be for them to relate to it or how easy it'd be for them to relate to it. Just because like they were there and they saw that and they probably did ride in the hood of a pickup truck attached to a dune buggy driving over a bunch of mud. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, like I said, they didn't even have seatbelts back then. They're like, was literally not a care in the world. So yeah, man, it was just like, and then you have, uh, man, I don't even know how to like stay on topic here because this movie is just so wild. But the like crazy gator guy, the <laughs> the, the the wild cameo of the ghost, uh, like the guys, I, I don't know if he's a ghost in the movie, but like, I think maybe it was just like them knowing him from Angels in the out, Outfield. So it's like, yeah, let's just have Danny Glover come in and, you know, cameo, yeah. put an antler on his forehead and. Yeah, yeah, the, and then just disappear after thirty seconds, like. Yeah, that was wild. So, like, the, the I guess we could talk, really sort of lead into the actual like adventure because there's you know there's some build up to it and stuff, but eventually, when they decide to go on this trip, which is like the meat of the movie, they they get it in the car and uh, Marshall's hidden in the back and call mom and's like, well, he can stay with you two weeks, and if he's you know if he's if you don't want him with you in two weeks, put him on a bus, send him back home. Um, so they go out to get this footage and like the first day they're out there, they completely miss a shot of an eagle, like snatching a fish and tearing it apart because they lock the camera in, in, in the car. 
which, you know, first it's like, oh, you, you already fucked up first day. But um, then they're like, we got to get some footage. So they go to this gator park. And this is like one of the big scenes. Uh, they go to this gator park where you pay to like rent a boat and you're basically guaranteed to see a gator. And they're like they're sort of almost it shows the lesson of like, don't take a shortcut either. Because at first, you know, they're frustrated. They miss this eagle and they're like, well, we'll just go right to the gator. And it literally almost bites them in the ass, which is, is a pretty funny, crazy scene. Dude, I I remember that scene like just messing me up as a kid. <laughs> like, Dude snaps his own leg, like, like puts the knife right into his own knee and they dude, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like boom. And then and then you just hear it wobbling in his leg. It's just like. Man, like I know somebody like that, so, so it's just like it's just, dude, I, like so much of it too, and it's like, and two, like you gotta ex- like explain, like, because there's people that don't understand that they couldn't just Google a photo back then of an animal, right? So it's like you literally have to go out and capture some of this stuff, and the the thought too, like that there's definitely animals that they would have captured back then that just don't even exist today, and that wasn't that long ago, and. Yeah, you have the you have the gator farm. They jump like <laughs> they're like trying to tell them like I was gonna ask you like if there was any weird parts of the movie that you were like, uh, eh, you know, or or like what some of your favorite parts were. Cause again, with what you were saying earlier, like how like I feel like a total idiot when I'm watching movies because I don't think that far ahead. I just let the movie play out for me. And I feel like that's where a lot of people would like tend to go to a movie theater and they hate a movie because they have this crazy expectation of it. But it's like, I'm just like you. It's like, I'm not going to think, well, he's narrating the movie. Obviously, it has to continue with him. I'm not going to think that. I'm just like, man, what is going on here? They're throwing a curveball at me. There's no possible way he's going to be in the back of that vehicle hiding under a blanket while they're telling a scary story. <laughs> like, like, I don't think about that. So I just let it play out. I want to see where it's going. So it's like, then you see... You know, they're in that boat, and he's like, yo, we need, we got to get this video of this alligator, bait the water, throw the bait out there. So then he grabs up the entire bag of bait <laughs> and just stabs it a couple of times with a screwdriver and throws the whole bag. And I realized that today when I watched it, like they just got out there. But it's like, no, he wrapped up the whole bag and threw the whole bag of bait. But it's like, and, and yeah, because it's like, how do you throw all the bait? And so then he's putting on, and so for me now watching it, like I see like all the things that are like huge no-nos, right? So then he's putting on hip waders and he's jumping into the water with the, that's <laughs> supposed to have gators out there to go grab this bait as opposed to just trying to finesse the boat over there to grab the bait out of a tree. It lands on a tree, by the way, for people that, are, that haven't seen this movie and they're just completely blowing it now. <laughs> Uh, he's walking in the water with these hip waders on, but the water's like up past his chest. And so for me now, it's like, I know that like, dude, you would drown. Like once those things start filling up with water, it's impossible to move. I don't know. Like, I just know this, like, cause I grew up in a hunting family, so it's impossible to move and it will literally drag you under the water. Yeah. It's like having, so it's like, feet, yeah. So now I'm like looking at this, like, bro, how's he doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like even in like the practical effects i'm like like of him actually doing it for the scene i'm like how is he even doing that because like that's got to be heavy and then uh and then it's also like the idea of like dude you're out there to see a gator <laughs> like and you're getting in the water like and it's night like it's like the sun is setting yeah fuck and that. you're like 
guess I'll jump into this water. I haven't seen the movie Lake Placid yet, so I have <laughs> no idea the dangers. <laughs> so it's like just to grab some bait, and it's like, bro, you are the bait. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you haven't figured this out yet. Uh, and then the flashlight in the mouth, like that was just like nightmare fuel for the gator. Like seeing that thing pop up out of the water, and every time its mouth opens, just this like bright gleaming light flying out. Then you have them crawling back with the tails between their legs, and they're all soaking wet. They're trying to get more information about the bear cave, and the guy's like lightly talking about it. Takes him in to see his friend, who's halfway in a gator. <laughs> like, dude, that movie was just like. Man, watching that as a kid, it's like you don't really think light things like that would just give you nightmares. But like watching it now, it's like, oh, this is pretty easy. But then like movies were just different back then. That was like I remember like that genuinely being scary. Well, yeah, they they uh, have some scary stuff and then they have some sort of like more adventurous, like fun stuff. Like uh, I think it sort of leads to the next scene when they're looking for this cave with all the bears and they go to this government restricted site and they're like they put the sign that says you know government area over the barbed wire (laughs) so they can drive their car into it uh and they're gonna try to catch like get some footage of like an endangered wolf or something right Mm -hmm. yeah that's correct yeah and so they set up on a tripod on top of this like boulder and they end up catching this like this little I'm trying, was there like a doe and then the it was like a yeah it was like a deer and then you see the wolf just stalking it from like afar like they they're like looking at this deer and they're like oh how cute you know and then it's like marty look and they like they're panning it all around and it's like this great white wolf like one of the last american great white wolves probably like to their knowledge and it's just looking at it stalking it and it's like perfect footage like amazing nothing can go wrong they're about to get like the the shot of their life right now and it's going to make this entire trip worth it and then boom just like loud explosions start happening (laughs) these like i I don't remember the specific planes but like these fighter jets are just flying over and it's like back in 67 so it's like some of the first fighter jets that ever existed so it's like the odds of them even seeing that like that was like almost making the whole trip because it's like this new thing that just came out people don't know what fighter jets are like you hear about them and probably a newspaper back then you know right. if you even yeah, read those and it's like was a rarity yeah, and now you're like seeing it up close, getting you know secret video footage that you should not have of it just obliterating a boulder <laughs> with a missile, you know. <laughs> and it's like that, like those things just didn't exist then. Like they, like that's like cutting edge technology, you know. It's like seeing the iPhone ninety nine, you know, like <laughs> like. Right. So it's like it's like things that even some people hadn't even heard of. So it's like you got to think to some like respect, like. It's just a complete UFO. And now they're getting video footage of these fighter jets just obliterating missiles in the background of, like, this great white wolf (laughs) just, like, stalking this deer. And then out of nowhere, just, like, a thousand wild horses come stampeding in, and they're trying to, like, make it back to their vehicle before they just get smushed. And, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. Like it was cool seeing that footage. I wonder how much that was in this 
uh, film was actual real footage at some point. Like, obviously, this footage wasn't the real footage, but I wonder if, like, some of this stuff was some of, like, the crazy antics that actually happened once you, like, realize at the end of the movie that this is, like, kind of based on a true story. Right, like, like how that much would be... of it, how close it is to their actual, what actually happened. Yeah, like, maybe they actually had ran into some of this and encountered some of these crazy issues or, or whatever. I mean, some of that would be pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Obviously, it's, like, got to be dramatized, but... Yeah, but, I mean, to have, like a series of events happen here. It was like, not only do they capture, you know, this, this wolf about to take out this deer and then it leads into these bombs. And it's like, Holy shit, that could have been the scene. And then the bombs lead to a stampede of horses that they barely get out of there. And it's like, they're really pressing their luck. And then they just keep going, you know, and eventually there's a scene where they set up and this, they're still looking for this, uh, this big cave. I think it started with like, the middle brother, or maybe the old, maybe uh, it was Marty that had read about this cave full of bears, and uh, in one of his like magazines about explorers, and he uh, they keep asking, sort of asking everybody, and that's like their main goal of this this whole story, this whole thing is like let's find this cave of a thousand sleeping bears, um, and they're out in this big field and they have the tripod set up and they're filming this like little thing. And at first they think it's another small deer and it comes up and, and uh, Marshall's petting it. And I knew right away, I was like, Oh, this mm-hmm. cause I've heard stories about how like the moose is this is like the most uh, aggressive. Like they've always been like when I was a kid, like, Oh, moose are cool. Like they're friendly and slow and they're big and, and, and not scary but then you hear rocky and bullwinkle right like, but then you hear that they're super literal aggressive and and protective and scary and i was like oh this isn't gonna end well and it actually they, they play that one up a little campy compared to the other ones obviously they have to because it's still at its heart a kid's movie but um it comes to the point where the um the mama deer sees him petting and gets protective and goes after him and actually like lifts him up onto her horns or her antlers and is carrying him. And they've got, they've get this on footage too. They get this on camera. And, uh, and, and eventually that turns into a very close call where, uh, Marshall gets like thrown into like a stream and he's going downstream. And that leads into the, the scene we were talking about earlier with Danny Glover, this weird guy covered like head to toe in fur with a, a a moose antler on his head like steps into the stream and, and somehow saves Marshall. so strange yeah and pulls him out and i was like Nick, nikki was like she's watching with me and, and she might have seen this when she was a kid but she didn't remember any of it and she was like what who's the actor i'm like I, that's danny glover and she's like that's what i thought i just didn't she's like he's in this i'm like well yeah he, it's like he made it's such a weird thing for like a especially at, at that time he was you know a really big really really big household name actor yeah, I, like that's that's my my only thought is like there has to be some background information, you know, beyond the film with like with right. the guy who uh produced Angels and Outfield or directed it rather. Um <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I like I don't know how the to be fair, they only had him in there for like 30 seconds and like the intro for him, they're like, "Is that Bigfoot?" And it's yeah. like you really don't know. And yeah, and then like like I said, like as at in the same way that he comes in, he disappears in a flash. And, like, you just don't understand that entire point. And it's, like, it feels like there's supposed to be some hidden story under there, but, like, it just never gets explained, which is 
Which is fine. I mean, it's the ominous part of like what 90s movies were where they would just throw this wild card in and then just like take it away and you never know what's going on. Yeah, uh, it's and eventually I think might have been when they were like at the the devil's playground where they they had the horse stampede is where they find like a like a cave drawing of these deer or yeah, uh, the, the bears. So they meet this woman. And this is another interesting thing. Like they meet this woman and she's sort of saying being elusive to like the fact that her husband might've been killed by these bears. And she's everybody on this whole trip, including the parents are sort of like, don't go looking for this cave. Like bears will fucking kill you. Like, you know, you can catch capture videos of all these other animals and probably be safe, but don't go into a cave full of bears. And uh, I thought that was sort of like, a more serious like dark part of the story where like this woman's backstory is really pretty tragic and it's like maybe you guys should listen to her yeah like her whole intro is like covering half of her face up and they're like did you see her face and she's just like at some point had been mauled and you can definitely tell it I, I mean that's man that's like the greatest part of the adventure of the story is like just knowing that like them finding those bears like where else are you gonna see a video of a bear back then you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying and then like they finally come to the realization uh i think they were like pulling out of town like they they find out that like their truck had been broken and in, broken into all their stuff had been stolen their money was gone like whatever excess film rolls that they had was gone they just had what they had captured and then the film that was left in their camera and it's like, let's just make do. And they're all just like, well, no, we got to give up. We got to go home. We don't have any money. We don't have anything. And so they're getting ready to take off. And like the lady had mentioned earlier that like it was the anniversary of like the day that her husband had died and never left the cave and, you know, so on and so forth. And as they're leaving town, they see somebody leaving roses at a grave. And it's like the snap point of like, oh, today is the anniversary, like, she's probably going to take some roses up to wherever, mm -hmm. like, her husband had died. He'd never left there. They're, she's going to take roses to the gravesite. So let's go back and follow her. And then they find, you know, the tracks leading up to the cave. She looks. I don't know how she doesn't see them looking at her. <laughs> and then just like, she's just like, I guess I'll leave now. And then they just proceed to, like, go up to this the most ominous looking cave you'll ever see in your life that's got icicles hanging down that looks like literal monster teeth and uh yeah I, I don't know if you want to say the next part but like it's so interesting seeing them go in and then just have to encounter like the next trap well yeah they, which is uh yeah go ahead well, i was just gonna say they step in and you're like oh they're gonna one i'm like you know this is the this is sort of the climax. Like they're, they're finally reached the cave that they've heard so many stories about. And either it's going to be a huge disappointment or it's going to be spectacular. And of course it was spectacular, but it doesn't start without its issues that right when they step in, there's just like a pit of rattlesnakes. Which have you ever seen a rattlesnake like that close? No, like just open, not in a zoo. No, dude, I've seen a timber rattler before and it is, so scary yeah, like <laughs> like it, dude they're in iowa like and uh illinois like it's so insane because you don't really think about them because I, like you think of like places like arizona texas like the southern states 
dude, there is timber rattlers out at Geode right now. <laughs> and like, I remember being uh, in Illinois, just right across the river. And uh, we were out in this field. And it's just like, it's all sand over there because it's like the river, it used to be the riverbed right there. Like, right. that's where the Mississippi ran. And uh, we were like leaving this place. And I was walking out, like, we, we took a semi over there. So I was like walking back over to the semi. And like, all of a sudden, I just hear it, just like the rattle. And it's like, mm-hmm. and it's like, for me to hear that, like, I don't think that there's rattlesnakes. Right. You know? And I'm also like, I'm like 14. Uh, so it's like, I'm not thinking that there's a literal rattlesnake right underneath of me, but like, I hear it and it's like, you don't like, it's just not your first thought, but instantly, like, I'm just like fearful, like no way. And so like, I kind of jump a little bit and I, I jump forward, like just away from wherever I'm at. I don't know where I'm going. And I look like, I look behind me, I look down and sure enough, there's a rattlesnake right there. Maybe five feet in front of me, four feet in front of me, less than that. I didn't jump that far. But like, <laughs> it was, it was close enough that it's like, I'm probably still in a danger zone, but at the same time, it's like, I can't move away because like, I have to know that this is actually what I'm looking at. Dude, it is so, so, so scary. I, like, I don't know how else to explain it, but like then seeing that, like watching that movie again, I was thinking about it today because it's like, yeah, like you, you really don't even know that they're there until you know that they're there and seeing them having to figure out how to overcome that. Like, and they're just like, their, their solution is like, let's just throw snow on top of <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I read somewhere in one of our books or magazines that they sense heat. So let's scoop snow on top of them. I'm like, man, that seems uh, like a risky gamble. And then walking on top of them, hoping like, even if you have snow on them, you step on them, they're going to come out of the snow and, and f- try to f- like get you. Cause you know, th- people always say with like snakes and spiders, like they don't in bees and you know, all the aggressive animals that people assume are aggressive. It's like, if you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. It's like, well, they have to get through them. What do you do? You know? Yeah, to come that far and then be like, well, there's some snakes, so I guess I'll be done now. I mean, like, I would have been done, but I would have been done well before they even got to the cave. Like, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. first time a moose carried me down a stream, I'm out, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I get wet, I'm done. I'm going home. I gotta change <laughs> yeah, clothes. Yeah, the gator, the gator <laughs> like, scene would have been the end of it for me. So. Yeah, honestly, like, you wouldn't have caught me at that gator farm, no, no, bro. No, me either. I'm waiting I've seen Dude, I've seen an alligator that close too. That like that's the thing. I lived in Florida for like four months. Dude, I've seen an alligator not six feet in front of me. Like that close. And I probably would have stepped on it. Like I Florida heat. I'm walking back from this flea market. I'm 16 years old. I got like my hat like pulled. I didn't have my sunglasses. I forgot them. So I have my hat pulled like almost over my eyes. I have some old earbuds in just blasting whatever music was awesome at the time. And like, I'm looking up like maybe every 10, 15, 20 seconds to make sure that I'm still walking in a straight line because the sun is just beating down on me and it hurts to keep my eyes open. And I'm walking back this back road and I could almost look up where it was to this day. And I'm looking up, everything's clear, everything's clear. I'm just walking, like trying not to think about how much I'm sweating right now. Right. And I'm, of course, wearing like just the thickest black t shirt ever. 
and it's just worse. And uh, finally, I open my eyes and I look up, dude, and there is an alligator sprawled across the sidewalk, just sunbathing, and it's it's right in front of me, dude. like, dude, it was, it was like I like I, it's like you almost don't believe it's real. Like you see him in a zoo, you see him at that small tank at Gators, like, like, but like seeing, this was probably a, a seven foot alligator. Like, huge. Right. It's ginormous, and it's right in front of me. Like, that was... Did it make you, man, like, skip the I, beat? I, like, I couldn't... I had to wait there for a minute. I, I sat there for, like, probably... I don't know. I sat there for a minute looking at this thing from a, a good enough distance away, but also probably way too close than I should have been, you know? <laughs> like, like, I, like, in, like, the inner kid in me was like, I wonder what it feels like. Yeah. Maybe if I just like run up there, slap it on the ass and run away, I could get away. You know, like they can't move that fast. Like I'm thinking like, let's touch it. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, bro, ain't no way. <laughs> I'm not like, I can't, like, I can't get like, I'm like literally like, I'm just stiff with fear. Like I can't move. And, uh, dude, I don't know. It was, it was crazy. Like I sat there and I looked at it and I just like, and I'm looking around, like, can you guys believe this? And of course everybody there lives in Florida. So they're like, yeah, dipshit. Like it's, it's a fucking gator. Like dude. And so eventually I just like walked really far around it and just kept going home. But like, and at the time, dude, like, it's like, I wish I had a phone. Like I had a flip phone back then, but they didn't have cameras on them. So it's like, whatever. But it's like, dude, like, I couldn't imagine just happening onto that thing today. I'd get way too close with my camera trying to just take a stupid video. <laughs> like, I, dude, I would be, uh, I would definitely be that old dude with, with one leg with a <laughs> knife sticking out of my fake leg. <laughs> like, I've only seen, like, that shit at, like, Animal Kingdom and, and, that, and, like, zoos. But, like, I think the closest thing I've ever got was, like, one time in my garage i like moved this two by four and there was a spider the biggest spider i've ever seen in my life not even like it, it was literally and i know people exaggerate spider size all the time but i have a picture of it i'll have to send it to you this thing was on a two by four that was left in our garage it was not too long after we moved into the house and i don't think the previous owners ever used the garage so it was just like a dark damp like hell hole for spiders and I moved this oh, two yeah. by four and this thing's legs were wrapped around the two by four and you could see the oh, no. on the other side. And I literally called someone over like to see, like, I was like, I, I called my friend Matt Duncan. He came over and he was hitting it with a two by four. And that thing was like fighting back. He was like, that thing's going to grab the it's two like by four and hit me back with it. Catching the two <laughs> by four and swinging it back. <laughs> oh no, bro. I couldn't do it. I'd rather, I would rather be closer to the gator than it. I can't do spiders, man. I don't know what it is. I, I flipped that board uh, nah. over and it it's was, a no for it me. It literally like took the breath out of my body. And I, I, I like it, it sort of freaked me out because uh, my reaction, I'm like at looking back at it. I'm like, is this how I respond? Like I, I, I always would imagine I'm like fight or flight where I'm like out and I froze. I didn't know what to do. My like body, yeah, yeah. my mind Turn. locked up. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to, I, I, my mind just like stopped working like i couldn't control my body more i just stood there and i couldn't catch my breath and i was like oh shit like i need to like do something like it's not going to jump on me or anything but it's like i probably shouldn't just stand here and stare at it like i need to either back up or smash the fucking thing 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the one that you can see. There's other ones that you can't. Right. <laughs> like, they might be way bigger. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I would have, see, I would like to say that I would, like, do something heroic in that moment, but I would have definitely froze. I mean, I froze seeing that alligator. I didn't, like, freeze, freeze, but, I mean, a Mack truck couldn't have moved me. I was, like, I was just, like, oh, man, what do I, like, I'm in my mind, like, thinking, like, so many thoughts all at once like can i touch it no i can't touch it no don't do that i don't think i can move towards it i don't know what i can do right now honestly like i'm just like reevaluating everything that put me there in that position and then it's like it's also pretty cool that i'm seeing this because i don't see this in burlington ever right but then you have other Dude, people who come here and they're like you guys have just like have the river right here and you guys have like squirrels everywhere and it's like yeah cool anyways uh dude squirrels are wild too because like living here now like i'm i'm not too far out from chicago and it's like dude i see a squirrel like once a month maybe so seeing a squirrel is pretty actually it's it's pretty cool like i get excited about it now or like here we we have like possums and raccoons that's like you know when you see those it's like oh that's exciting dude it's uh it's definitely a lot more than like being in a concrete jungle not seeing anything ever maybe a rat so pigeon yeah you see dude the pigeons in the in the city are are just gutter like (laughs) they they will move you like you have to walk around them they're like i ain't moving bro and they just look at you they have their chest all puffed out like i think i've seen a pigeon try to eat a rat once which is pretty wild (laughs) but uh dude it's it's crazy i mean it is like it's so cool to think like there are people that live in the city and and I think that's what makes this kind of still relevant to this day. Like the whole wild wild America movie is like going out and filming these things. Cause like, it's like, there's people that live in, in cities that like have never seen the stars before just because light pollution. So it's like, then you also got to think that they've really never seen a lot of these animals. They did see a gator once here. There was a gator in one, in one of the ponds, which I don't know how it got there. Dude, that actually blows my mind. But like, you hear about gators and sewers and like New York and stuff right. like that. It, it it has to exist, I guess. Um, or, or they named it Chance had, the Snapper. I was gonna say someone had a pet at some time and and let it go when it got too big for its. Let tank. it go. Yeah. Dude, uh, but it's like you, you think about it, and it's like, I don't know. the The movie is relevant for that because it's like there are people that have just like never seen like there's animals that I find out about like all the time. Like those, like, have you ever seen like a mouse deer, like a oh, yeah. deer mouse? Yeah, like, those things are adorable. Dude, like, I thought those were fake. I saw a video of one the other day and I was like, that's like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's like a little baby, baby deer. Yeah, they're, they're freaky. Yeah, I mean, we but, still uh, have like planet Earth and all these. I mean, still you can turn on, you know, there's, I think uh, National Geographic has like uh, its own streaming platform i mean there's obviously still a market for it and i still watch that shit you know we were sort of joking last night about one of our friends i won't name um who would love to get like super high and watch it on his projector and it was like i was like i wonder if he's ever seen you know this movie because it made me think of him i hadn't thought of of this old friend in quite some time and i was like you know it made me think of him and me and nikki shared a laugh just because he would he would hit us up and he's like it's like, what are you doing tonight? He's like, oh, I'm going to smoke a bunch of weed and watch Planet Earth in 4K on the projector. Honestly, like, yeah. that sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> like, I actually, so I watched this movie um, 
I, I'll have to send you a picture. Like I have a projector in my living room and like all surround sound and stuff. And it's like, it's pretty nice. I'm super fortunate to have that stuff. And like watching this on a projector, it was like, like I remember watching this in like a four, three setup on an old projection screen TV, like that weighed a thousand and four pounds. And like it just like at the time you're like, this looks amazing. And then it's like, you get to watch it all blown up 25 years later. And it's like, this was a good story. <laughs> like, oh, I thought it, you know, I watched a, a HD version. You can rent it on Amazon in like HD and it looked really nice. I thought the cinematography, like some of the sunsets and stuff was, was really nice. Oh yeah. The, the one where, uh, man, it's a, it almost looks like a fish jumping out of the water, but, uh, uh, he's throwing the rocks into the water and he's like sitting there telling him like, Oh man, do you think uh, so-and-so would have shot all those animals if he just could have filmed them instead? And, like, I thought, like, yeah, like, a lot of the cinematography and, like, like the super shallow but, like, deep kind of, <laughs> like, like thought process and words and remarks that they would say to each other was, like, it was cool and it was, it was really well done. But, like, then I'm watching it, like, I don't think it's remastered. It's, it definitely wasn't an HD version that I just watched, but it was a, a version that I bought on DVD in widescreen from Amazon, like, five years ago. Mm-hmm. So, but it was good. I mean, it was, it was definitely like, I remember why I loved that movie and it was, it was really fun to like get somebody else to watch that and enjoy it as well. Like, I, I hope that you actually enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I did. It was awesome. I really did. I have like a ton of trivia. Well, not a ton, but there's quite a bit of trivia. So let's take a quick break here from the prescribed film podcast network. And then um, we'll go through the trivia before we close out. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening So I have a, a little bit of trivia from IMDb. Um, I always warn people that uh, take it with a grain of salt because who knows where this comes from. But most of this seems pretty um, reliable. Uh, Francis Fisher, who plays uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character's mother in this film, uh, in 1991, she was cast as his character's mother on the show Home Improvement, but was replaced due to poor early audience reaction to her. So she was playing Jill in the pilot for home improvement and the audience didn't like her. It's pretty interesting. That's like for real. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be like a true or false question, no, but no. I could totally see that. Yeah. It's, it's sort of interesting. That would have been, yeah, 91. <clears throat> so six years before this came out, she was uh, the original yeah. Jill Taylor and did not uh, make the cut. Um, yeah. I mean, that would have been uh, I, I could see why, like I, I, it would be weird seeing like her and Tim Allen together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they, they got the casting right. I mean, obviously, all those years of home improvement at our house, you know, I wouldn't I mean, oh, absolutely. change a thing. Uh, the alligator it's... scene was shot in cuts 
Using a real and a mechanical alligator, eight wranglers were strategically placed around the perimeter along with safety lines in place. The alligator was not in the swamp water for more than several, more than a few seconds at a time and not further than a distance of 13 feet. For a safety precaution, the alligator's mouth was wired and taped shut. So they just used clever editing to get the, uh, the alligator uh-huh. safe together. And then, uh, yeah, man, that first, that first log that bumps into him. <laughs> yeah. And it just looks like a gator. It's like, oof. Yeah. That would have been a quick movie. Like they killed Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the first, like, actual animal scene. Like, just have him eaten by a gator. Dude, <laughs> he ain't narrating it now. <laughs> the moose scene was also shot in several cuts. A mule in costume. This is wild. And they used a mule in a moose costume with fake horns. Um, and a colt was used for the baby moose. When Marshall is seen touching the baby, the colt was on a light line and food was used to keep him near the actor. Uh, the colt's mother was also on set at all times. When the moose is seen chasing Marshall, a mule is used and the actor called him with food given as a reward. So they use like someone off camera with food to try to get it to come. Um, for the shot of the boy on the moose's horns, a dummy was placed on the horns that the mule was wearing, and he ran from point A to B. Additional wranglers were strategically placed around the area. For the shot of the moose entering and leaving the river, the mule was led into the river by a horse and wrangler. So who would have thought that the moose was actually Dude. a mule in a, <laughs> a moose costume? <laughs> Practical effects are so much cooler than CGI. Yeah. Like, man, who, like, how do you, like, I get you have a problem and you got to solve it. And you're just like, I know the solution. Let's, let's just dress up a mule. It worked. Man, that is a, hey, dude, it looked really good. I would have never guessed that. Like, that feels fake. The only um, other thing I saw that was sort of interesting, and you probably catch it uh, if you pay attention to the movie, but as the three brothers are heading up into Willis Peak, they drive by three men. um, And I think uh, Marshall sort of mentions, like, you know, you see all kinds of people out here or something like that. Um, And then later, those are the three. And then some people you don't want to see. Right. And those are the three guys who end up robbing them. Uh, And what's really cool about that you know, is that the three men that you see are the actual real life stuff or brothers that this movie's based on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A little cameo from the real brothers that, you know, this, this story is based on play the, the sort of worst characters in the movie, the bad guys that end up stealing all their shit from their car. That makes sense. I, cause I always thought that it was like, I mean, when you see scenes like that, where like, you see too much of someone's face, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, ah, that's gotta be like something that's gotta be someone for whatever reason. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something important for somebody. So that's cool. That's good to know. That's, that's actually very interesting. Cause I always thought that that was like a weird scene that they filmed. Yeah. A cool little cameo. So yeah, that's all the trivia I have. Did you have any final thoughts on wild America? Man, I, I just I I hope that a lot of people watch this movie. Let's just like let's just get Jonathan Taylor Thomas a huge residual check and maybe he gets the bug to like come back and 
do one more film. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that this is a fantastic movie for people to watch because it gives like a really good insight, especially like today's generation to watch because it gives a really good insight on like what families were like back in the day, not necessarily in the 90s because the 90s were totally different from like the era that this is trying to to catch. Mm-hmm. But like... But, I mean, the, like, sense of adventure and just, like, going out, like, and that might still be prominent in some different type of way, but it really is just, like, wanting to do something and just putting everything on the line and going out and doing it, which is really awesome, so. Yeah, sort of a a good um, inspirational story for people to, like, get out there, follow your dreams, um, regardless of, you know, because it has the message of, like, their dad, he's he's worked his ass off selling carburetors for his whole life to the point where he doesn't see his kids much and doesn't have a much of a relationship. And it's like, get out and do what you want to do. His, his At first, the dad's like, you know, I wanted them to follow my footsteps. I build up this business. This is what I want them to do. And it's like, but that's not their dream. And I think it's important, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially, I mean, you seeing this in 97, you were probably, you know, it's like, it's it's literally sending a message to kids. It's like, you don't have to do if your dad works a factory job, you don't have to work the same factory job. You can go out and see the world, go out and, and learn what you want to do, you know, and it's especially for, you know, kids who grew up in the Midwest who, you know, most of our dads, my dad certainly, you know, grew up working in a factory and it's like, it wasn't because of movies, but it was just like, I, you know, through my relationship with him was like, I, that's the last thing I, I never want to end up doing what he's doing. You know, he it paid for our family, it paid for all the food on my table. It was, you know, I, I love him and it was great, but it was like, you know, I never want to do this. You know, I, there's there's something else out there I want to do. And and it's, you know, this is that like American dream and literally a true story of the how these guys, these these young kids wanted adventure and they decided to do it. And they ended up becoming, you know, award winning filmmakers who who recorded all these rare and, and um, extinct or, or endangered animals. And it, it's really a really cool story. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> yeah. Like I, th- I think that the meat and potatoes of it is like recognizing that you're never too good from where you came from. Like you gotta, you gotta respect where you came from. Like, and I love how he points that out in the film and it's like, everything kind of goes silent afterwards. Like, yeah, man, like I've been dipping carburetors in oil my whole life. And this put, everything that you have like this bought you that camera this put those clothes on your back and and gave you the gas money for the you know 20 cents a gallon gas (laughs) (laughs) you know like this is paying for everything that you do and have and everything that you want so it's like recognizing like you're not too good for this because you're still benefiting from it but then also recognizing like you know, your success doesn't have to be somebody else's success. They can find it somewhere else. And you really get that at the end of the movie when all the lights come up in the gymnasium and they, they just showed all the clips, you know, it's not a full movie, but it's like everything that they had and all the lights come up and the movie's ending and everybody like, you know, is kind of like they they really loved it. Or you have uh, DC who's just being a dick, you yeah. know, and it's like, yeah, jealous and then like, it pans all the way back out to their dad who finally is giving them the attention that they've like craved for so long. Right. And he like recognizes like, 
like, uh, you know, this was right for me, but it doesn't have to be right for them. And they can make it on their own. Like they're grown. And so you get the aspect of like, yeah, you're not too good for, you, you know, you're never too good or better than where you came from. But like, also give the respect of like, you can find your own way from here. So, yeah, I think it's a good message and, and not too preachy. Like it's, it tells it yeah. in a coming of age story where it's not like too on the nose and it's not, it doesn't come off as corny. Like there's so many nineties movies that had try to do messages. And I, I think this is a good balance. Like this is, I was a little nervous when, when you shot me like a JTT movie from the nineties. I'm like, I can, I can get with this, but I don't know how much I'm going to really like, truthfully love it since i don't have any nostalgic attachment and i really liked it this is this is a cool one i i think it's uh, did you see this one in theaters when it came out no <clears throat> uh when i was when i was really young i didn't go to the theaters a lot actually uh neither did we, we were like, um, it, like literally never theater. yeah we, yeah yeah i think uh man i can't even think of my first ever like movie that i saw in theaters like Mine was a I GTT remember, movie. We saw The Lion King at the, the Palace Theater. My sister made us sit up in the balcony. Is oh, wow. Yeah. I think uh, if, I, if I really dig deep and think about it, I may have seen Tarzan, but I don't think I did. I think I got like the movie poster. Like The guy gave me the movie poster for Tarzan because I remember watching that so vividly in my mom's bedroom. And and uh, we had our TVs tied together. Sorry, this is going to go into like a, I'll try to keep it short, but like basically our living room TV, we only had enough money for one cable box. So mm -hmm. it was our living room TV. But then you could jump a coax cable off that TV right. and take what it to another TV. Yeah. So you had whatever's watched in the living room is just mimicked on that. And we were watching Tarzan and halfway through, it just cuts off and the WWE pops on and my dad's like watching wrestling out <laughs> in the living room. So it's like, I want to say, because I remember getting the poster for Tarzan, but it probably was like big daddy. I think it's like probably the first movie I ever like specifically remember seeing in theaters because we were at the Westland theaters out at the mall and uh, they sold us the tickets and they oversold us for the seats and they brought in folding chairs for us. Oh. And I remember watching that. So yeah, that was probably like my first movie theater watch, but man, some of these movies from the nineties, like I said, I just like, I can't get over them. I wish I would have saw that in the theaters. I don't even know if it had a theater run. Cause some things like didn't come out in theaters back in the day. Like it come out to VHS or it'd say exclusively in theaters. So like, that's another thing people don't realize now either. So you used to be able to go and rent the movie from a like movie rental store mm -hmm. before it was out to purchase. Yeah. Because like it wasn't so easy to just clone the movie or put it you couldn't put it online for people to see for free. So like I just remember there was like I would rent everything like any time that we could go to like we would rent movies all oh, the yeah, time. We did too. My my uh, neighbor he had the first version of what you're talking about. His dad worked at Montgomery Ward. They had two VCRs and he would rent things and copy everything to blank VHS yeah. tapes. And it was like he had a library, like the first guy I knew that had a collection of movies. And it was like, it, I'd oh, dude. walk over to Lee's house and I'd be like, does your dad have, you know, Friday 13th part four? And he's like, right here. He has like three of them on one VHS tape. It's like, great. Can I borrow that? It's like, yeah, but be careful. Yeah, dude, I remember, it was always like, be careful, like, dude, 
<laughs> like the police are gonna burst all your doors down right. as soon as you put it in your VCR. Uh, yeah, dude, I re- I remember that, and I re- like there was a guy that we knew. He lived out in Greenway, and uh, he had a cloning machine, and he would clone all the tapes and stuff, and it was awesome. But uh, yeah, we always rent like movies from Premiere Video. I don't know if you grew up in Burlington or if you moved there, I did. but like, I grew up in Burlington. dude, do you remember Premiere Video, the rental place that like they have the blood place out there now? But it used to be Video Warehouse. It, you, uh. Out by video warehouse. Great, great wall. It was Video Warehouse when I was yeah. a kid. Then it changed to Premiere Video, I think. Yes, exactly. It was Video Warehouse, and then it changed to Premiere Video. And they and they were out there, and then they had moved over by like where the new Hy-Vee is. Yep. Um, they were kind of like attached to the old Hy-Vee, I think. Yep. But uh, dude, I remember when they were at that like place over by the Great Wall. It's like the Blood Center now, and you could like rent like a game system like you could rent an snes or like and then they had like the n64 and they used to have this gaming system that you would put this like suction cup thing to like your tv it was for kids my mom rented it for me once and like somehow the suction cup thing would tell the tv like what your selection was i don't even know how that works to this day i still don't understand but like you would put the the tape in and it was a tape that you would put in and then you would put the suction cup to your TV and like, dude, I, I, to this day, I don't understand it, but it worked <laughs> and it was cool. And I like, remember being, a, and it was like little kid games. Like it was a little, little kid games. And, uh, I remember they had like the mint, like the candy machine thing. Oh yeah. And my fingers were just small enough that I could stick my finger in there and slide a mint out for free. <laughs> So I don't remember the guy. I remember the guy, like what he looked like, but I don't remember his name. But yo, bro, sorry, I was stealing all your mints back in the day. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, since I'm but, uh, six years older than you, we would go out to Video Warehouse and uh, we would rent the or like the first like four or five UFC events through there on VHS tape, and we'd like have we'd like all stay over at my friend's house and wait for his parents to go to sleep and put in like Tank Abbott and Ken Shamrock and fucking. Uh, dude gracie all those guys just beating you know like a guy with one glove stomping on someone's fucking head and it's just like teeth flying out and shit it was you know and that sort of started my obsession with with martial arts but uh yeah i remember seeing gracie fight like a sumo wrestler yep and i was just everybody out what is this bro and like i think back in the day if i remember this right like they didn't even have fences on the cage it was like a big mat and they just kind of rolled around if i if i remember that this is like 95 so i was like four years old watching this (laughs) and uh dude that that was like i remember all that dude video warehouse was it we never like i remember there's video warehouse uh circus video we have my friend has the c from their uh sign when they were when they closed really we saw them out there with a cherry picker and we asked what we could have and he's like you want the c like we'll take whatever you got and uh she has the c somewhere and yeah there was uh obviously blockbuster there was ma yui's which was over by um sort of by the beat on summer street there was a there's like a there's a hair salon there now but that was a video store that i could walk to when i was a kid oh i think uh i think i vaguely remember that but i remember it was closing down and turning into the hair because i lived right down the street from that yeah um my grandma lived there and then eventually we moved in with her but like i remember that 
going from being a video store to the hair salon, I think. Yeah, before video like, store, it could be it a, a fever dream, but I, I, think I there do was remember a zoo that. in there when I was like really like a baby, like a toddler. I remember there was a zoo, like not a zoo, a, a, like a pet store, but it seemed like a zoo because they had like mm-hmm. animals that pet store shouldn't have. Like I swear they had a raccoon or something oh, yeah. in there and then they changed it to a video store and then it went to a hair salon. It's been that since I was pretty young, so. Uh, another nostalgia thing. Do you remember the ice cream parlor place out by uh, Crapo Park? Big Mama's? Right by... Maybe that's what it was called. Was it across from Whitey's? Right across, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was Big Mama's. That's Dude, that place was awesome. She sold like fart bombs and ice cream, yeah. Dude, it was, yeah, it was like <laughs> the weirdest things in there. Fart bombs and ice cream. <laughs> Dude, uh, I miss so many places like that. Like, I wish things like that still existed. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think, like, this was made in 97, and it was set in 67, so it was only 30 years back, and it's like, God, I'm 36. It would have been when I was six. It's like, this would Dude, it's like, I'm literally 30 years old yeah, now. This, <laughs> yeah, like this movie would have been, like, the version of this now would just be set in the 90s, like, 91. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah. That is wild to think about. <laughs> man oh well thank you so much for introducing wild america to me it's been a, a a journey on our own going through this movie and and going through our own nostalgia and our attachments to some of these movies and i can't wait to have you back with some more uh i i gotta find something to introduce you to but it sounds like you have some some good ones that i haven't seen too dude i would i would love to do this again as many times as you want to have me i'm super up for it and uh yeah, I would I would love to see uh what you got to throw at me. Um and then yeah, I think I have an idea of maybe what I would have you watch next. Kind of came out in the same time zone. Uh So, yeah, I mean there's there's definitely there's some movies that I could probably introduce you to from the 90s cuz like I think I was just like I mean, just being just a tad younger than you. I think there's things that maybe just flew by you cuz you might have been just too old for it. But Probably, like yeah. nowadays, you would definitely appreciate watching it. Yeah, I'm finding a lot of that stuff where I'm like, I thought I was too cool for something. And then I go back and watch it. I'm like, I'm not too cool for it now. Like, I was never too cool for anything. Bro, so I was never cool enough. <laughs> right. Like... <laughs> but at the time, I thought I was way yeah. cooler than I was. So at the time with my bowl cut, my split bangs. Yep, me too, I was, man. I was too good for it. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. And I look forward to having you back on. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.